Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Mo DeKeel is in the building. The legend of Nerder, she wrote. The legend of Bleacher Report's power rankings. Uh, what else are you a legend of, Mo DeKeel? Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm a legend, but I do have the One Mo Thing videos that come out every Tuesday on Twitter. Please go look at those. I see them on Instagram. They're great. Mo is <laughs> awesome. Uh, he does an absolutely fantastic job breaking down tape, breaking down everything that you can see in the NBA. You can hear him every Friday on Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Mo and I today are going to talk about how have the rookies of the NBA looked so far. And I thought Mo would be a really interesting person to have on here for this because as far as I know, you like don't watch any college basketball, right? Very little. It happens by accident if I do. Yeah, like you have very little experience with who these guys were coming into the NBA. And I felt like that would be a really interesting perspective to hear from just in terms of what you're seeing from these guys early on in their careers. Uh, and then me having all of the background of them, uh, <laughs> you know, having watched some of them for five years at this point. Right. So I kind of think that both of those perspectives are really valuable within the context of trying to figure out who these rookies are as they uh, start their NBA careers. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of a, a perfect analysis of like, this is how a front office works. This is how an NBA team works. If I was on the coaching side, I wouldn't be diving into these guys until the draft and summer league and, and, their first season as a rookie and you would be the front being the front office guy or the scout would have seen these guys for so long would have already envisioned kind of where they fit in the team. And it's, it's, it's not that dissimilar. I hope that's a proper word uh, to, to that interaction, what you and I have going. Yeah, I love it. So I'm just going to ask you this question from the jump. Who has been the most impressive rookie to you this season? You know, I'm going to start out with James Wiseman. Um, listen, there's some have had flash, some, you know, just putting up numbers and things. But I think Wiseman kind of, I look at his game and I just go, man, there's just so much there. You know, there's that audio clip of uh, Draymond Green kind of, in a press conference saying like, he doesn't even know how to play yet. And that's pretty much how I feel when I watch Wiseman. I go like, when he figures this whole thing out, like this is going to be a hell of a player. I thought coming in, he was going to be a, a, a really solid roller and, you know, a, 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 something that could contribute right away in that sense in the pick and roll game for the Warriors and that everything else will just come in time. And I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. I mean, he's got a little shot. He's got a nice little flow to his game. I've been pretty happy with what I've seen. Yeah, Wiseman's averaging 11 points and six rebounds per game. I've been really impressed with Wiseman, too. He's been kind of a mess defensively so far. Like, he has no idea, like, how to play in the gap defensively. Like, he's kind of a mess in his drops in pick and roll right now, right? But... You can just see, A, how much he's a sponge when he's on the court. Like, he's really trying to learn every single time that he's out there. Like, every time that Draymond comes over to him 
and tries to teach him something on the court. Like there's that great clip from, I think earlier this week, uh, all of the weeks blend together at this point early in the season. (laughs) But, you know, he looks at Draymond or looks at Wiseman and goes, look, when you have Mark Gasol on you in a one-on-one, I like that matchup for us. I want you to go drive and you can hear him just go, yeah, yeah. Like I get that. And he sees it and he wants, it feels like he wants to get better. You know what I mean? And I think that's the biggest thing, especially for someone with his physical tools. I mean, James Wiseman is seven foot one with like a seven foot six wingspan. He has every single like measurement that you could ask for. He runs really well. He's obviously a crazy athlete. It's just going to be getting experience into him, I think. Like that, as long as that happens and as long as he continues to stay healthy and gets a chance to really work through some of uh, his mistakes, I mean, he's, he has got a real shot, I think, to just be a total, uh, you know, at least like a top seven center in the NBA. Yeah. And, and look, you know, he's, you're right. He's a mess on defense. And part of it is like, I mean, he didn't even have a college year. He played what? Right. Games. Yeah, you know, like that's the most college tape I was able to watch on a guy because I knew as I could watch Wiseman and be up to date <laughs> like everybody else. Just three, boom! I cheated, um, you know. But w- even with all that stuff and not having the full understanding on defense, like he's found his way into one point four blocks a game. Like it's one of those things. And I have the stats up, folks. Don't think that I'm just kind of some machine that I have it all in my head. Um, but he, he, there's just so much growth potential there. You know, and, and everything you said is right on. And just as if he stays eager and wanting to learn, which is something that I think we all were hoping Jordan Bell was going to have, you know, when, mm. when he joined the Warriors. And, and, you know, it's and he has a higher upside than Jordan Bell just to begin with. But, you know, he has that drive of like, I'm going to listen, I'm going to soak it in and I'm going to start learning. Like, that's just it's just a big win for the Warriors, I think, going forward. You know, and, and, and developing him. And that's, and it's a test for them as well. Cause, you know, I, I have serious questions about their development of players in general. And, you know, this is a guy, this is a prize piece that they got to really mold into what they want going forward. Yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up Wiseman because I think that from a long term perspective, he's shown the flashes of what you're looking for if you're the team that drafted him, right? Like the Golden State Warriors did not draft James Wiseman thinking he's going to be the 30 minute a game center on our four seed playoff team. And we're just going to make it work with him. They drafted him assuming that it was going to take time and that he's going to have to be a sponge. And Look, if you talk to people that have been around James Wiseman in the past, like I've talked to him, you know, I think twice. Uh, he's a really, really intelligent kid. And look, like I've only, like I've talked to him one on one, like for probably 10 minutes of my life, right? Really, really intelligent kid. It just shines through every single time that you speak to him. You talk to people around. Uh, Wiseman, like I talked to the Memphis coaching staff when they had him and they were just like, this dude, is an absolute sponge. He wants to learn everything that he can. Uh, he wants to be as good as he can possibly be. So I think that they're going to be fine as long as they put in the time and put in the effort. And I think that Draymond Green is going to be just an enormous help for him. Dr- Draymond Green is one of the smartest basketball players I think that has ever lived on planet Earth, period. 
I really think that having Dre around is going to help him uh, just figuring out the little intricacies of the N- NBA game. Like it's, it's going to be undeniable that by the time this season ends, he's going to look a lot better, I think, than when this season started. And that, that's really all that you're looking for from Golden State right now and from James Wiseman. Yeah. I mean, you can't put too much on him. You know, again, th- this is kind of the thing. We need to understand about rookies when they're coming in. A lot of these kids are just 19 years old. Now, think about yep. how dumb you were when you were 19. You know, Oh, incredibly prof- dumb. Prof- yeah. I mean, we all were. There's no – even the smartest of us all were still stupid at 19. You know, it's it's just those – it's the way it goes and the growth and things that come with it. Now, imagine you got thrown millions of dollars and had to talk to media – you know, on a regular basis nowadays through a, a Zoom chat. But like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of comes into it. So for all of these guys, like, I could be down on a guy now and let's see what he looks like in a few years because he might be a whole different player. And I think, you know, for Wiseman, I was excited for him because I thought this was a good place and I think it's going to work out well for him. And, and I'm just happy with everything I've seen so far. The guy that's been most impressive to me has been LaMelo Ball. Um, yeah. Everything that he has done and everything that I expected that he could do early in his career has translated to an even greater extent than what I expected. The live dribble passing, the transition play, like that stuff is all just very readily apparent, right? I kind of thought that he would struggle with the speed and the physicality of the game a little bit early just because of his frame and because of how skinny he is. And then I kind of thought back and remembered, look, this dude has been playing up in age right. groups his entire life. Like he's been playing. He went over and played professional basketball in Europe when he was 13. He was playing 17 and under AAU last year. He got to play professional basketball in the NBL. And that league is look, the higher end talent players within college basketball are probably better than the highest end talent level players in the NBL. But the average player in the NBL is drastically better. It's like not even a comparison better than guys that play college basketball. Uh, the NBL as a league is much, much, much better than the NCAA. So I think that what I kind of might have underestimated a little bit is just how prepared he is to play and how prepared he is to make the right passing reads. Like LaMelo Ball is a genius and I had him at number one on my board because he is genuinely just one of those basketball savants who can make live dribble passes like it's nothing and seems to see things on the court a split second before everyone else does. But man, like it's often really hard for lead guards to come in and be able to see all of the passes that are there from day one. And he already sees them and can already execute them in tight windows. These windows in the NBA for live dribble passes, they tighten like that. Like they tighten so quick in comparison to other leagues because these guys are so long and so athletic and it just doesn't matter. He sees them and he can execute them in a way that, I mean, like it's, He's bigger than Trey Young, but like the last guy that came into the league where I was like, okay, this guy can really pass like that is Trey Young and Luca, I guess, I mean, he, to an extent. Yeah. He's special. Like, there's no, the, the, the passing ability is, is, is something that 
you couldn't you can't develop this level of uh passing the way he has it and this is something that lonzo has as well it's kind of you know i i, I joke about it a long time ago and called it the passing gene like they just kind of have it and they can see everything a little bit before but you know the most impressive thing to me about all of this sam only 2.1 turnovers a game yep like he was I like that in australia expecting- too for what it's worth yeah, but I was expecting that to be much higher, and and you were right on. I love everything you said about him always playing above his weight, because that's kind of true. You know, always outside his age range, and for whatever people want to talk about the NBL, those people just don't really understand what they're what it is. At the end of the day, it's a man's league. Like it's a physical league. Like those guys are 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 tough and physical in that sense. I mean, I coached. You know, with the Australian national team, I saw a bunch of them. They can play. They're 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 tough. There's a level of toughness that you need in that league as well. And you know, I think you know Lamelo got some of that. And and just here's the thing, he's just exciting, Sam. Like I just <laughs> when the ball's in his hands, I don't want to look away. Like he's there's something there's a possibility of something exciting happen. Like yes. There is going to be times where he's going to make the fancy pass. It's going to be a turnover when really a bounce pass would have done. But sometimes I want to see the fancy pass. Let's have fun with it a little bit. And I think he brings a, a an energy and a, and a joy with him when he's playing that I think carries over to his teammates. You know, I, we saw highlights like, you know, uh, Dwayne Bacon is benefiting from him, you know, with 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 some of the dunks. I'm sorry, not Bacon. Um, Miles Bridges. One, Miles Bridges. Sorry, that's just me being stupid. Um, Miles Bridges benefiting with some great highlight dunks off of these passes. Like there's there's an excitement with it in the sense, and the the, the thing I look at him, you know, like he has ways to go defensively. I think he has to get better. You know, yeah. we we all know the shooting stuff and things like that. But he reminds me a lot of, you know, Jason Williams more than anybody else. The excitement I have when he's bringing the ball up the court in transition is about the same as when Jason Williams was doing it with the Sacramento kicks. Like, I just get too excited, you know, and I'm like, oh, what's he going to do next? You know, and I'm a dude that's like a little scout, like sitting there, want to start critiquing where the transition defense is and who's not rotating. No, I'm (laughs) going to just watch him. Like, it's fun. And, and, Honestly, it's been really great to see him kind of – he started out maybe a little bit slow the first couple of games, but then he really got going, and it was impressive. Well, with LaMelo, too, like, you know, you brought up the name Lonzo earlier and, like, mentioned that Lonzo is similar in transition, and he is. The difference between LaMelo and Lonzo is that LaMelo can open up those passing angles in the half court, whereas Lonzo really can't do that. Like, Lonzo right. is largely a perimeter player because he can't really break down defenders. LaMelo's ability off the bounce, his ability just off of a live dribble, it's it's pretty ridiculous, to be honest. Like, he is going to be someone that consistently gets separation against high-level defenders. You mentioned it 100%, the jump shot and the ability to finish around the basket as well. He's been a pretty rough finisher, it feels like, so far. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me on that, but it feels like he's been pretty rough as a finisher. Um those are the two things that are going to make the difference for him going from what he is now, which is like really good, really exciting. Uh, he is actually like a valuable player. Like you can't really say that about many rookies. There are really only like two or three that I feel like you can say that about 
this year even uh guys that have actually provided positive value to their teams i i would not even say james wiseman has provided positive value to his team so far uh lamella ball is one of them and he is providing like actual substantive benefit when he's on the court for the charlotte hornets just due to his ball movement due to his ability to create uh transition opportunities due to his ability uh to just find open teammates and uh get the offense more in flow even when he sometimes is breaking the flow with his jump shot uh they look much better when he's out on the court even though uh he still is working through some of, uh, some of his own scoring abilities. But once that happens, man, it's, he's going to be scary good. I think he is going to be scary, scary good. I mean, he went, uh, over the course of the start of January, he went like, what, 12 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists, 22, 12 and 11. 8, 14, and 7. And then, uh, you know, I think the last game he had like 14 and like 11 assists or something. Like every time he comes out, he's just uh, figuring out the game more and more, it feels like. And that's a really interesting uh, interesting thing to watch him try to try to figure out on the fly. Yeah, and it, I don't think people understand how difficult that is you know, on the fly, limited practices and things like that for him to come in and to actually have an impact, you know, and and everything, again, everything he touched on is right on. Like he makes it exciting to watch the Charlotte Hornets. Like that's, that's absurd. You know, like that's not (laughs) something like, like, let's just be honest. Like you, the Charlotte Hornets are a top five, uh, league pass team for most people. And it's because of LaMelo ball, you know, and, 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 you got to give him credit, and, and and he's playing well. It's just at the end of the day, we can nitpick at all the stuff, and we can talk about the things he needs to do better. The stuff that we knew he could do in the NBA, he's not only doing it, but he's doing it well, and that matters, and that matters for the Hornets. And that that's put. Them, I mean, they're in a good spot right now. They're at what six and eight. They're in a good position. I didn't have them this this good. Now maybe part of that's my own problems for not paying attention to everything else this team had with. Hayward and Rozier and stuff, but he's playing also with a good group of veterans to kind of help lead him along. I think Coach Borrego is a great coach um, who does the most with with the talent he's got, and I think this is this is a good thing for him. I think this is a good. I'm really glad he landed here and with these vets because I just feel like this is a great place for him to grow up in the league right now for the next few years. Well, and they've done a great job of development over the course of the last few years. I mean, Devontae Graham uh, got has gotten a lot better. Over the course of his time yep. in Charlotte, Terry Rozier, I think, has gotten better since his time in Boston in Charlotte. PJ Washington was a good draft pick that is continuing to develop. Miles Bridges is getting better uh, than what he was early in his career. So I agree with you. I think this was a great landing spot. But, you know, you mentioned it. Think about it this way. Like a team with where the second through sixth players that are on this team are Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. And like, you know, once Cody Zeller comes back, Cody Zeller. That team is one of the five most exciting teams to watch on League Pass every single night. <laughs> that's that's as third. much of an argument for LaMelo as much as anything. And it's an argument for Borrego because they play attractive basketball. But like, man, 
Lamelo has made this team just so great to watch. And he's, I mean, if the scoring gets figured out, that guy is going to be a star. He's going to be a legit all-star point guard. I don't think he's like Luka Doncic level as a player yet. I, I don't think he'll get there. I don't think he's going to get even necessarily to Trey Young level from what we've seen from Trey. Um, I wouldn't rule it out with him. But like the odds are against him getting to that level just because of how far away he is as a scorer right now. But if the scoring comes, it's going to get like very scary in a hurry with LaMelo, I think. Yeah, and, and, and it's just fun to watch the excitement with that. But even let's assume the scoring didn't come and he's just kind of that this this level of a 12 point a game type guy. You know, I think ultimately he still brings a lot to the value because I think he'll be able to improve his defense to a degree. I think yeah. he'll get smarter on that. And I think he'll become – you got to understand, the game is still a little bit fast for him, e- even with the, the numbers he's putting up assist-wise. Like, the, I think he's easily going to be able to average 10 assists in the league. Totally you know, agree. Enough. Yeah, I mean, I you said – I, I, I got yelled at for saying I think he's going to be a top 10 passer from day one in the NBA. I think that's like kind of boring itself out. Like, I think he is a top 10 passer in terms of just like live dribble, half court reads, seeing everything that's there in the NBA right now. Yeah, no, I, you were right on, you were right then and you're right now. You know, I think it, it's, it, it is what it is. Uh, the guy, the guy that he reminded me of most was like a taller Rajon Rondo almost. Like, I, I kind of mm-hmm. think that that's what it is, what it's been so far. Um, if the scoring comes, though, he's going to exceed that, I think. Let's talk about the final top three pick, just to kind of close the loop on the guy that are on the three players that people had consensus at the top of this draft in 2020. Anthony Edwards has basically been the same guy that he was in college. I would love to hear what your impression has been of Edwards early on in his career with Minnesota, because... Just, just remains infuriating in a lot of ways. Really, I because see, I kind of like him. Um, you, you know, the from what I've seen of him, it's not like I felt bad for him. I felt like he was the most disrespected number one pick. <laughs> you know, coming in, I, it, it felt like everybody knew he was going to be the number one pick, and nobody wanted him to be the number one pick. And you know, it kind of made me wonder, like, well, what's this guy's deal? You know, and and, and I think he provides some useful stuff for the the wolves i think that whole organization's a mess right now really and i think you know that's one of those situations i think we're going to look at going like man i wonder what anthony edwards would have been you know if he landed somewhere else with a better development program or or locked into it you know i think look he can't shoot i mean we kind of knew that going into the the draft right he's not takes a a lot of them though <laughs> Takes a lot of them though, and, and 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 I agree with you, and that's something that needs to get worked at, and and either he needs to improve his shooting or shoot less of them. But he does a pretty decent job of getting, you, you know, powering his way to his basket. It's it's a very physical kind of drive with him, right? And he he gets yeah. into the body and stuff, and gets contact, and he's got a great body that makes you think, like, man, this guy can really stick. I I've seen flashes where I'm like, okay. I can see it. Like in a normal year, he's probably not a number one pick. I think the 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 situation, like the Wolves taking him over 
Wiseman makes sense because they have Towns and taking him over Ball made sense because of D'Angelo Russell and all that stuff. But I, I, I think there's something there. I don't know if it's number one top pick worthy, but it's something that he's a guy that I want to see three years from now and see what he looks like. I just think he needs a little more time to kind of let everything sort of shake out. He definitely needs three years, but like... <laughs> Given what we've seen so far, I think that the chasm of potential outcomes here within the next three years for him is wider than for any other player that was taken in the lottery this year. Maybe for any other player other than Alexei Pokashevsky that was taken in the first round this year even, right? Uh, if you told me that Anthony Edwards figures out okay, I need to just drive the ball. I need to be a driver first, then a jump shooter, and then lets the jump shot play off of his ability to drive. His first step is ridiculous. Like you said, he's 225 pounds. Seasoned NBA pros that have been in NBA strength and conditioning programs for five years, they bounce off of him. Like he is just one of those dudes who is like naturally super strong, and then also super explosive and super bouncy. Like guys just, he goes through players as a teenager right now. If he just would be willing to do it more, I think that he'd look a lot better right now. And they have the floor spacing to do it. Like you have D'Angelo Russell, you have Carl Towns, you have guys that open up those driving lanes for you. And he just settles and he settles for shots far too often. I mean, Anthony Edwards right now is on pace to have one of the worst three-point shooting seasons in NBA history, like period, full stop. He's taking five threes a game and shooting them at 27%. And look, it's not like he shot much better from the three-point line in college of Georgia when the three-point line was closer. So right. <laughs> I just want to see him attack more. Like I want to see him drive and get to the basket and draw fouls he's drawing 1.8 free throws per game right now being a six foot four 225 pound bowling ball that can also jump 45 inches in the air like drive more play more like that play more downhill and like he's just frustrating to watch for me like and i guess that this is where that uh the fact that I've been watching him for four years now, three and a half <laughs> yes, to four it. years, uh, comes in and you seeing him like for the first time, basically in the NBA, you're like, yeah, like this guy, like he has a great frame. And, uh, you know, when he decides to drive, he looks great. It just has never happened. And I, I just want to see him be much more willing to attack and play attack oriented basketball. Uh, he has every single tool to be the kind of all-star level off guard that you're kind of talking about, but it's going to take a real mindset shift. I think for him to really get there. Yeah. And that's the challenging thing with some of these, these rookies and, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but situation to where you're at, what's the organization going to do? How are they going to take you to that next level? Who's coaching you? What are they telling you? I mean, there should be somebody in his ears going like, yo, five threes a game? That's not for you, kid. You know, not you right now. Be, yeah. You know, we'll we'll work on that. We will work on your shooting. And and that's in a whole off season project that we'll we'll work on. But right now, you need to be catch and go. 
plain and simple. And, you know, we don't know what the, the messages that are being sent to him from the coaching staff and what they want. And sometimes I feel like, Sam, this is where we get into trouble with everybody thinking like, oh, I have to have a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, we're, we're you're missing out on what makes you the best part. You know, the best Anthony Edwards is a driver and it's always going to be a driver first. It's always going to be a guy that attacks first, gets downhill. And it's, you know, and you, you said it like legitimate NBA veterans that have been in the league for five or six years are bouncing off him when he drives through the lane. He should be driving every time. You know, and, and, and he should be looking to do that. And I think, you know, hopefully they'll be able to find a way to get to that. And I think that's something that maybe it's going to be a, 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 a thing that he never gets there. And we're going to talk about him as a as a bust. But, you know, I, the potential for what he can be is there. I can see it. This isn't like uh, Anthony Bennett when he was drafted one overall. And no, like, not even close. Yeah. You're right. You know, this is this has more of a chance to be, you know, like. We've always been waiting for Wiggins to make that leap, and he's looking pretty good in Golden State. But like, you know, it never happened in Minnesota. Like, it's it's we're we're, we're gonna have to see where he's there. There's skills there. There's he is an NBA player. Like, I think he legitimately is an NBA player. He's just got to figure out what type of NBA player that is. And sometimes it's hard for these rooks. No, it is. It's really hard, but. Taking 47 off the dribble jumpers so far when you've made nine of them is too many. (laughs) The next one's going in, Sam, but the next one's going in. (laughs) All right. We've spent 30 minutes and we haven't yet talked about Tyrese Halliburton. So I think Kings fans are going to melt down. Uh, We'll talk about Tyrese Halliburton and a bunch more of the rookies when we get back after this quick commercial break. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. 
just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord, and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. All right, so Kings fans are going to just scream at me for in my mentions for not mentioning Tyrese Halliburton yet. Uh, Halliburton, I think, has been the second best rookie this year behind LaMelo for me. I think you can maybe make a case that he's been a bit more impactful on wins and losses than LaMelo, but I don't know that I'd go quite that far just because his responsibilities are just much lesser than what LaMelo's are right now, but... Halliburton has undeniably been a guy that just comes in and helps a team win basketball games, pure and simple. Uh, his presence, the Kings just look like a totally different team when he's out there. They share the ball more. They have better space to operate. Like De'Aaron Fox is a better player when Tyrese Halliburton is out there with him. Uh, I am, I'm a big fan of Halliburton in regard to every single thing that we've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, talk about a somebody that kind of came in on day day one prepared to play. Like he's ready to go. He has the NBA composure. You know, he always looks poised out there. He never looks rushed. He has his system. He understands what he's supposed to do. Excuse me. He gets into the the, the offense. He gets them rolling and things like that. Hard thing is he's on the Kings, man. The Kings just don't seem to win. <laughs> You know, and, and, and for for a variety of reasons, but it, and the other thing that I find challenging is I don't like the lineup of him, Fox, and and Heald. I don't think the three of them work on the court all all that well together. But you you can tell they definitely got a guy in here. Like this is a kid that right. we're looking at going like. How did Detroit pass on him? You know, and I don't know anything about Killian Hayes. I know he's injured and, and, and things like that. But you're going like, why Why did they pass on him? You know, all the teams that, you know, passed, you know, everybody was killing Phoenix. You know, there's, there's several different teams you're looking at going like, how did he drop to the Kings? But he's the perfect fit for them right now. You know, it's almost like a great change of pace uh, from going the speedster De'Aaron Fox into Halliburton kind of running the show. And I think... You know, he's just going to grow over time into being just that constant stable guard that a team needs. Yeah, and I think that Halliburton in some ways kind of like him and his representation uh, may have facilitated that drop a little bit down to 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that they kind of wanted him to get down to Sacramento Uh, was kind of the impression that I've gotten from things a little bit. But... You know, it's interesting. The healed Fox Halliburton lineup, I think, just has no chance of defending anybody. And that Kings team in general just has no chance of defending anybody this year, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> right. uh, and I don't like it does feel like a 
feel like a shoe is going to drop like with a buddy healed trade sooner rather than later. Like it has to, right? This team has a defensive rating of 121 right now. Uh, they need to find someone who can actually make an impact defensively. And Halliburton like is in the right position all the time defensively. And that that's part of the thing with Halliburton. I mean, like I, I'll tell you what I wrote, uh, in the NBA draft guide, like I said, Halliburton's going to be a useful NBA player because few guys think the game at the level he does while maintaining the ball skills he does at six foot five. Uh, he has a real shot to become a top half of the league point guard, but even if that doesn't happen, and I think it's probably a long shot that it happens, Halliburton's the kind of player that I absolutely want on my team if the goal is to win basketball games. He's smart, he's a great teammate, and he plays the game the right way while putting all of his teammates in better positions to succeed. And like from day one, that's been who he is. Uh, it's hard to do that as a rookie, I worry about what the upside is with Halliburton and still like have some questions about like long term. What is he? Uh, he might be a better version of this, what he's been so far in five years, uh, and still be like a secondary ball handler who makes catch and shoot threes and facilitates the offense, uh, both as a secondary and occasionally as a primary guy. But that's okay. Like this is, this is an undeniable win for the Kings so far. Like he is, he, is probably Sacramento. I mean, what is he? Is he their second best player right now? Like maybe, maybe the third uh, best player. Let's. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll put him in the third and fourth rank. You know, but I think you touched on the most important thing. Is I don't know how much more his game grows. You know, yeah. and and he he could be he could be a more efficient this in a few years as he matures more in, in the league and. And has a better understanding. But he is kind of bumping his head a little bit on his ceiling. I don't see him becoming a lead guard. You know, yeah. he he is he is an important piece, an important kind of supporting cast piece for a playoff team, you know, for the rest of his career. Every playoff team's gonna wanna have him. Uh, and by the way, gonna- those guys are hard to find. Like those guys are really hard to find. And very hard to find. It's so hard to find. And he's gonna be a guy that like contenders at one point, you know, will will fall over themselves, you know, eventually to to get to have like, yo, if we have him coming off our bench, oh, we're gonna be set. Like it's gonna be that kind of thing for him. And that's a good thing. This isn't a slight. Kings fans, do not get in my men- mentions upset about this. That's just who he is. You know, when you look at him, it's not like he ain't getting more athletic, right? He ain't getting bigger or taller or anything like that. The, what he is right now is great. He's shooting damn near 50% from three on almost five attempts. You know, like he's, that's probably going to drop a little bit, but he's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He averages, you know, he has very few turnovers, incredibly smart. It's, you know, his defense can be better. And that's something that, again, as more time in the league, I think he'll get there. But I just don't see him being much more than what he is. So I think he'll get better. Uh, and I think he is a start, like, I think he's a starting caliber player right now, to be honest. Like, I know he comes off the bench for them, but, uh, I mean, like, he's better than Buddy Heald right now. Like, we're, we don't need to sugarcoat that. Uh, he, he, they do it for reasons that make sense within their rotation. Uh, but he plays 28 minutes a night and he's essentially a starter for them. And I think that that's, that's who he is. Uh, 
I don't think he's ever going to be a point guard. I don't think he's ever going to make an all-star game in all likelihood. Uh, I, I just don't see that like on ball creation coming just because of what you mentioned, the athleticism, uh, and his handles a little bit high. Like there, there are other like very slight concerns here and we can nitpick, but he's going to get stronger. And I think the defense, especially on ball is going to get better. I think he's going to be like a legit starting, like he'll be a two, but like, it's almost more like a wing skill set, right? Like, I think that that's going to, I think he's going to be a starting complimentary wing that, like you said, every contender like kicks themselves to try and get, uh, he's, he's really good. He's already very, very good. Yeah. I mean, this is just kind of, you know, he's, he, he, he'll be more efficient. Again, he'll be better defensively. But this is who he is. And that's great because that's a good ball player. Let's, uh, have you, how much Patrick Williams have you watched with Chicago so far? Unfortunately, not a lot. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty staggered by like how ready he is. Because if you know, so like this is the context you might have been missing. Like he did not start for Florida State last year. Uh, mm-hmm. he was like kind of a raw bench player who got by on like pure instinct. And the amount that he's gotten better basically from like the time that I'd say late February rolled around for Florida State until the time he took the court for his first NBA game is pretty drastic. Uh, like he was not really anything resembling a shooter early at Florida state. Uh, he shot like an incredible moon ball and looked like the ball is still high right now. Uh, he's really improved as a shooter. His frame is obviously ridiculous. Like he's six foot seven, 220 pounds, six eleven wingspan. Like he's physically ready to play in the NBA right now, but he looks a lot more comfortable with his skill set and with the way that he sees the game than what I anticipated. That's a big win for them. You know, I'm, I've, I saw him early in the preseason and was kind of impressed with him. You, you know, you kind, uh, kind of a real good fit for that team in Chicago because it's not like a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands constantly. And you jump in and correct me if I'm something way wrong because we've already told the people ahead of time. I don't watch these dudes in college and I'm kind of parachuting in here. Sure. And, and, and getting an understanding of them. But he, he looks like a guy that, can move around off the ball. It's not a guy like when you have Zach Levine and Kobe White, you know, Laurie Markin and like, I don't want to have to call plays for Patrick Williams. Sorry. Like, it's just, I got, I got my guys there, you know, but he's a good guy that can cut, can move, can knock down a catch and shoot three. Like, I feel like he's got a good skill set again to just be uh, one of these guys, a, a wing that's in the league forever. And and you tell me, Sam, what's his defense like? Like from what I've seen, I felt I felt like was pretty good. But again, I haven't watched a ton of them. I, I would say good for a teenager. Uh, he was really good in college, like very effective as an off ball defender in college. Uh, good weak side shot blocker, got into passing lanes really well. Was always there rotationally, especially like around the basket to contest. But so far in the NBA, it's been a little bit lesser than that as he continues to learn like where he needs to be and continues to adjust to the speed of the game. And that's okay. Like, I think he's going to be a good defender. The thing that worries me long-term about 
Pat Williams is that, and this is something that still uh, is not there for him. I think people think of him as this like ridiculous athlete and he's not that he's definitely not a ridiculous athlete. He's pretty good laterally. And I think he processes the game really quickly and just sees things like a little bit quicker, especially on defense, uh, but also to an extent on offense. He sees things a little bit quicker than most people give him credit for. Uh, and I think his reaction time is really good and he is able to get to places before other guys get to places, but like he doesn't have a ton of vertical pop. Like he was not a great finisher around the basket last season. He has not been a good finisher for as big as he is this year. He's shooting 47% around the basket, but if the jumper is going to come along in the way that it has his, his upside might be way greater than like rotational, like even starting wing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's shooting 50% on pull-up jumpers so far. And a lot of those have come in the mid-range. Like, actually, most of those have come in the mid-range. And he's happy to take, like, catch-and-shoot jumpers. Like, you're 100% right on that. He's he, he's comfortable just, like, spotting and shooting. He's made 48% of his half-court catch-and-shoot jumpers so far on limited attempts. Um, I really think that the, the ceiling is high here. Like, the ceiling is very high based off of what we've seen so far from him. He's very comfortable getting to his spots in the mid-range off the pull-up game. He's knocking down catch-and-shoot threes. He's pretty comfortable defensively. Like, the passing isn't there. The finishing isn't there. But if you give me a guy that's six foot eight and can shoot like he seems to be able to shoot already and has a very good shot to defend at not just, like, an average level, but at a plus level, man... <laughs> that, that's a very high ceiling for a guy that's like that's 19 a, years old. That's a that's a that's a really strong ceiling, and he's a guy. And and here's the other thing too. We should have said this from the beginning about this rookie class. They got screwed. They Normal did. rookie classes get drafted, get a week training camp, and then go into summer league, and a lot of the focus is on them throughout that entire camp and all of those things. And they start they get a lot of hands on coaching from there. They get worked out all off season going into a full length training camp and things like that. So all of these guys, every rookie has gotten screwed with, with the current situation we're in and, you know, shortened camps and everything like that. So, you know, like I almost feel like we might see a, a guy like Patrick Williams is a guy who might really have an, a second year where we're like, wow, this is, this is the guy, okay, because he'll have more time besides having an NBA season under his belt, but he'll have an actual off season, hopefully, assuming everything goes right. Remember, everybody wear masks. Um, he'll be able to <laughs> to kind of get the full uh, treatment of an off season and get a, a, a whole run of more coaching and stuff, and, and they'll be able to point out stuff to him and things like that. Like I think this is a guy that, like you said, if, if, if everything had come together – like he's going to be a uh, an important piece for a lot of teams. I mean, I, whether it's with the Bulls or not, we're projecting five, ten years down the line. But like, you know, again, a guy like him with his size, with that skill set, and what we project might he actually be, is always going to have a spot in the NBA. Always. I don't know how much of the Cavs you've watched, but like the Cavs have been like a really fun, sneaky like. They fight every single night. I think that I think that I think that it's because of the culture they're building, uh, in large part because of the guys that they've taken. 
over the course of the last few years. Uh, Isaac Okoro and Colin Sexton, those two guys are battlers that just consistently play hard. Isaac Okoro's numbers like are not good. Like he's shooting under 40% from the field. He's shooting 33% from three. He really can't shoot. But this dude is taking on 37 minutes per game for the Cavs right now. And he's really good defensively. Like from day one, like he is a good defender and he's been a critical part of why they are the number three defense in the NBA through the first like month of this season now. I kind of love everything that I've seen from him as long as you don't make me watch him shoot. But, you know, even in shooting, like when you look at the splits of, of what he's done since January, you know, if you go just January 1 and on, you know, he's shooting 36%, a little bit better from three and and all of that. But just, you know, what I think when I when I see a Coro is I just think toughness. Yeah. You know, just tough. You know, and it's like, okay, it, you said it, like he battles. It's like I know – when I have this guy lining up against me and he's guarding me, like I'm going to have a new bruise, right? There's a toughness. There's a, this is going to be a war. We're going to go at each other. This is going to be a thing. And he brings that element to this team that, you know, I really like this Cavs team. This is a fun Cavs team to watch. This is they so are. weird because I would have never have said this in the beginning of November. If you said, Mo, you're going to say, hey, this is a fun Cavs team, I would have thought you were high. Um, but like this is a fun team and, and and the pieces all fit and because with with uh Darius Garland whenever he comes back with Sexton you know he's not required to have to carry that scoring load and he can kind of find his his sea legs a little bit and I think he's going to be you know the the ability to defend is something that this team actually really needs you know this wing wing type player is perfect for them because it's a guy that can lock down and then let's get out and go. And, you know, you tell me, you tell me if I'm wrong here a little bit, but like he is fairly athletic, right? Oh yeah. 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 No, you, you don't have to worry about athleticism with them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like he can get out and run with these guys and, 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 and run up the court. Like I think over time his shooting will become passable. Maybe never be a great shooter, but a good enough shooter where he'll knock down some open shots here and there. But it just again, he's very similar in the sense of like, like Patrick Williams, like a three and D model for this guy is perfect. You know, if if he can develop that three point shot to the point where it's respectable enough. But what he brings defensively is so important because I think we're going to start to see more and more teams value the defensive end a bit more over the over the years, and I think he's he's just such an important piece for that. Yeah, I agree. He's been really, really good so far. The other guy that's been really good on the wing defensively so far is Devin Vassell. Uh, he's just been ready to come in from day one and do his job. He's played not nearly as many minutes as, as Kokoro is, but, uh, just comes in off this, uh, Spurs just ready to, to defend every single time he comes in. He's shooting 50 or, uh, 35% from three, uh, it's easier to have him on the court offensively, maybe than it is a Coro, but he's not as impactful defensively as a Coro is because a Coro can handle some on ball, uh, stuff, whereas Vassell is a little bit more of like an off ball defender. I thought Vassell was very close to, you know, Danny Green coming out. Like I thought that that was the skill set for him and he's largely been that so far. Like you don't want him to venture inside of the three point arc on offense, uh, except whenever he's just trying to like catch a cut and is wide open on the baseline. But 
he's been every bit as smart and instinctual defensively as what the Spurs, I think, could have hoped for. And I think they're probably uh, pretty happy with the way that this pick has panned out so far. Well, it really felt like this was a Spurs-type guy. Now, I haven't watched a ton of him this season. Uh, but, it, again, it's along the same lines of, like, the Spurs just keep finding – oh, I'm sorry. You hit one button, and the next thing a video pops up of Peyton Pritchard. Um, you, <laughs> you, 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 you have – with Vassell, though, I think he just fits the Spurs model, right? Like, he just yeah. looks like a tough, hardworking kind of guy. Again, they need help on the wings. They're they're kind of in a fun youth movement, you know, with all their young guys, and and we're watching some of these guys kind of blossom. And I think they can afford to bring him along a little bit slower than Okoro, in the sense of they already have guys that are ahead of him in the rotation. You know, anywhere from Lonnie Walker, Demar Derozan, however they want to line things up, and and they're in that situation where they can just bring him along slowly and not kind of just throw him out to the wolves and be like, good luck, buddy. And I think that will slowly pay off. And we know their history as an organization. I mean, I know it pretty well uh, <laughs> in terms of developing guys. And, and and they take such a serious care for it. So, like, when they draft a guy, it's a guy they're thinking, like, you know, we're going to be able to turn him into this. And if he turns into their next Danny Green, like, that's a problem for the league. So the, I want to bring up two more wings uh, before we talk about a couple of the young guards that have really impressed. Uh, Sadiq Bay and Desmond Bain, just from day one, have already stepped into a role and been very good. Uh, I, I would say Bain has probably been a little bit better than Sadiq Bay so far. Bay is just a pure spot shooter and has not really brought anything else to the table. Uh, he's been smart defensively, but offensively, he's not really bringing anything else to the table. Bain can do a little bit more offensively. Uh, he's always been more comfortable with the ball in hand than Sadiq Bey has been. Uh, I, I really like what both of those guys have done, and they look like really good rotation wings long-term. Uh, and, and they're even, to an extent, helping their team already. Yeah, I just feel like, like I like what... I feel like Detroit kind of just stumbled on Sadiq Bay a little bit, you know, or, or, and I should also rephrase it in the sense of like, I stumbled upon Sadiq Bay. So every, every organization <laughs> did the same thing I did. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I was pretty impressed with his play. You know, he again shoots it pretty well, pretty, pretty smart in the, the games I've watched. It wasn't, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Detroit. I apologize. Pistons fans, but you know, when I did watch, I was like, okay, look, they, they look pretty solid with him. Again, just another guy, Villanova kid, just it, it, it's, what Jay Wright's doing in Villanova is just producing NBA talent, right? Guys that can come in immediately and at least give you 15 minutes in a game. Well, he develops them too. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. it's not just like, um, uh, he's recruiting NBA players. He's, taking guys that have a chance to play in the NBA but aren't sure things to play in the NBA and developing them into NBA players. And I think that that uh, says a lot about the program. And basically all these Villanova guys have been able to come in and play very early on uh, within their careers, and that says a lot. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's – I think Bay is just another one of those kids that you can put out right away and say, all right, get on the court, we need to stop. All right, if you catch it, we need you to knock down this shot and things like that. And I just feel like there's a confidence level there and confidence that he has that he can kind of just roll with it. You know, 
Bane, I just love Bane just because I really wish he would wear the 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 Bane mask from Batman. You know, like he should really just personify that character in that sense. But he just a deadly shooter, man. I mean, shooting forty six percent from three. He's been robbed a little bit with the John Morant being injured, but I think getting to play more with Morant when he when now that he's back, like will open up the floor a little bit, and he's going to find even more open looks. Like we're going to see a little bit more from Bane, I think, in the coming weeks, where we'll be able to kind of get a better feel for who he is. I mean, I will. You 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 probably already know who he is. <laughs> uh, a couple of guards I want to note: the two Kentucky guys, Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, both of them have really impressed me for kind of different reasons. Quickly has been able to play a little bit more point than what I thought he would be able to. Uh, I saw him almost purely as an off guard. I didn't really see him as a guy that uh, had the athletic burst and handle necessary to play the point, but he's been able to take some minute load at the lead guard spot. Uh, even though he plays like a decent amount like with another initiator on the court and the way that offense runs like they use Julius Randle as an initiator like the top of the key regularly they use uh, RJ Barrett as an initiator all the time but you know having quickly out there knocking down shots and uh you know using that floater game that he has to devastating I mean, effect games it's awesome it's awesome it's the most amazing thing I've seen like for a rookie to kind of have that kind of a touch coming in right away and, 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 and get to the elbow and put up the floater as quickly as he does and as effectively and efficiently, like that's such a, a, a great shot for him. Cause I don't, I mean, he, he can shoot, but it's very slow to me. You know, yeah. when I watch it on TV, it takes, it, it, it's a very much a college shot in the sense of like, you're not going to be able to get that shot off against pros on a regular basis. He's got to be, um, and, 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 and he's got to kind of learn to speed that up. But if he has that float game when he gets into the lane, I mean, that's really an impressive weapon. Yeah. And then the other guy that also has a terrific floater game is Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he still can't shoot, which is going to be the swing skill for him long term, whether or not he's a backup bench guard who comes in and scores or can turn into a legit starting two guard, maybe even like a point next to a big initiator like a Ben Simmons uh, is going to be whether or not he can come in and shoot threes, but he's been effective already because he can come in and uh, actually get offense because he knows how to get into the lane. He plays downhill. And then once he gets downhill, he can stop and pop with that little floater before he gets all the way to the basket and finish. I mean, uh, he's shooting 46% from the field, despite shooting 27% from three and taking, you know, not an insignificant number of threes. So yeah, I've been impressed with how Maxie's with how the good parts of Maxie's game have translated to make him effective within the NBA. Yeah, and what will be interesting to watch is Doc's trust with him. Because, you, you know, listen, before the year with the Clippers when they had Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and all that, Doc rarely played young guys, right, and didn't have a lot of patience for young guys. So I think it's a question of how long they, they, they stay with Maxie. And look, with uh, Seth Curry out, like he's playing an important role. I think he started last game for them against Boston. It's, it's, it's a question of, you know, he's, he's getting kind of thrown into the fire. And the, the truth is the way he's playing, I can see this 
kind of making Doc realize, I got to play him more. I got to find him more minutes. He can be a key and important piece for us in the times when, hey, we need to get, uh, you know, Simmons some rest or something like that. We can have him kind of be a little bit of a penetrator and things like that and help to get into the paint a bit. So I, I, I find him to be an interesting player. I like him so far from what I've seen, but you you touched on it and you're 100% right. If he can't shoot, it's going to be a problem. And that's not something that's going to happen this season, right? Like, that's going to take time. And, and, and three or four years from now, he needs to at least be like a 36% three-point shooter. Yeah. Uh, the last first-rounder here uh, that is worth bringing up is, uh, again, Boston fans are going to be furious that we've gone, uh, what, something <laughs> like 50 minutes into the podcast without talking about Peyton Pritchard. But I kind of wanted to save Pritchard for last because, uh, you know, he went late in the first round, and I think that it's an interesting discussion point. Peyton Pritchard has been really good and really valuable for Boston, period. He's been uh, actually kind of a critical piece in terms of keeping them afloat at the lead guard spot while Kemba Walker uh, gets back from his injury. They're eight and four right now. I didn't really expect Boston to be eight and four this early in the season. I thought it would take them more time. And Peyton Pritchard and his exploits have been an enormous part of why they've been able to stem the tide and get out to eight and four. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a kid that just makes plays. And if you want an example of it, the the game-winning putback against the Miami Heat, you know, it's, it's him crashing the offensive glass. He's practically our size. And, 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 and jumping in there with the big boys, he's probably bigger than us. Um, but if He's like 6'1 like, or 6'1, 6'2. He's not enormous. Yeah, just... It, yeah, it just feels like he's our size, Sam, when we watch him on TV. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with those other guys. Um, but he just makes plays. He brings a toughness to him, again, on the defensive end and the offensive end. He brings a competence in the sense of, like, he knows where to be. It's it, Guys like that are so easy to trust for a coach like Brad Stevens because he's just going to go do his job and do whatever the coach tells him, and that's it. He's not going to do more, and he's not going to do less. And he's going to give you his best effort every time. And, you know, it, God, like, it, they're so lucky they hit on it. Because with the Kemba Walker, sort of like, he's only just getting back now and now on a minutes restriction. Like, you're right. Like, he was a big reason why they were able to survive that stretch and, and, and keep it going. It'll be interesting to see what his minutes look like going forward. But... You know, he, he's definitely earned at least like a 10, 15 minute run each game because he's just going to be able to bring energy up and, and, and keep everybody juiced and going along. He's a, and it is probably going to piss Boston fans off, you know, but whatever. You're in Boston, you're already pissed. He has a lot of shades of Alex Caruso, of TJ McConnell in him, of just kind of being like, well, if he's a gym okay. rat, he's a, uh, you know, he plays as hard as he can. He gets the most out of his athleticism as he can. He, uh, you know, all of right. the, and all of the, 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 the we're, all, we're saying it without saying it, right? We, let's just say it. He's gritty, right? Like that's the, the oh, the I, joke, I was going right? to say he's white, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, that's a whole other reason why. <laughs> that's, I was trying not to get us in trouble in that sense. Um, but, but it's, it's that level of toughness, though. It's like, I could put him in and there's going to be games where like 
the Celtics may not have it early in the game. And he's going to come in and add some energy and some juice to it. And I think that's going to turn the tide. And there are going to be a few of those games that he's going to do that. And that's an important thing. And for anybody that thinks I was kind of insulting him by like comparing him to Alex Caruso, Alex Caruso was an important part for an NBA championship team. You may not like it. You may want to deny it and all that stuff. But he he mattered for that Lakers team, and he matters for this Lakers team now. And I think I see that in Peyton Pritchard, you know, going forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Peyton Pritchard is going to be a really good rotation guard for a long time. I, I wonder what the upside is a little bit. Like, I think Boston fans are going to be a little bit, like, disappointed to hear, like, I think he could be maybe like a borderline starting point guard in the NBA at some point, which is more than what I thought coming into this season. Like I had him, I think at like 40 or so on my board. I was not even uh, quite as high on him as Boston was. And he's drastically exceeded that. And I think that he's kind of lifted my own preconceived notions of what he can be and look like. This is coming from someone who loved him in college. Like I voted him either second or third for uh, national player of the year last year. Like I thought he was terrific at Oregon. And I just, I wonder what it looks like when teams take him away at the basket, because it's not like he has some crazy finishing package at the rim. Right. And what happens when he's not shooting 44% from three? Cause I think he's more of like a high thirties three point shooter. I'm just, how big are the diminishing returns when those things happen and NBA teams start to get a scout on him to a greater extent? But again, the toughness, the offensive ability, the fearlessness, like, I do think that that's going to make him stick in the NBA for a long while, at least a backup. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I have him in the uh, as starting level, but he's definitely a backup. He's definitely a guy I'm going to throw in there and go like, go get him, you know, go cause some havoc a little bit. I think he has that ability in him to do that. It'll be interesting, you know, as time goes on, teams are going to pay more attention to him a little bit. You yep. know, he, he definitely did take advantage of the fact that nobody kind of quite knew what to expect of him going into this season. And, and without anybody seeing the stuff, like without any tape of a summer league or anything like that, he kind of just was able to come in and surprise a few teams. It'll be interesting in the second half of the season, what it looks like for him. All right, let's but, just you know, run. If, Go ahead. Well, it's just, it's, it's just an important thing to see how it, how, how it plays out for him, but it's, I also just don't know how much, how many more minutes he's going to get in the rotation once the, once the Celtics are healthy. Yeah, uh, let's just run rapid fire through a few rookies that maybe have not played a ton, or uh, maybe that we just didn't mention. Right, uh, Killian Hayes. Uh, Look, he was not very good early in this season before going down with an injury. He was not very good early in his season in Germany last year. I think that he's just one of those guys where it's going to take time to uh, adjust to the speed of the NBA game. I also had him a little bit lower than where Detroit did on my board personally. Uh, any thoughts on Killian Hayes? Not really, because like when I saw him, I wasn't impressed. I didn't see anything but then he went down with the injury and it was it's tough to get a gauge and like seven games i think is all he's played so far like it's, it's not enough for me to be like this dude can play or this dude can't play yeah i i don't want to make too many like you know rash uh 
discussion and decision points on Killian Hayes yet. Uh, yeah, Denny Avdia after thirteen games, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Denny Avdia, I think, has been really useful for the Wizards. He keeps the offense in flow. He knows where he needs to be defensively. He is knocking down shots at a really high level for Washington so far. He's not a 46% three-point shooter. I'm just going to say that. He's, you know, probably a mid-30s three-point shooter right now based off of all the evidence we saw in Israel. And mid-30s NBA three-point shooter would probably even take a bit of a leap from what we saw uh, in Israel from him. What have you thought of Denny so far? Yeah, I, I kind of thought he, I thought there would be a little more playmaking, and maybe that's a product of the team he's on, that the ball's not in his hands as much. But I yeah. wanted to see more of that because I kind of thought that was something we were going to get a lot of, and that was going to be, hey, this is this is the skill. This is why he's going to be an NBA player, you know. And maybe I was wrong in that assessment, but that's something I'd like to see a little bit more from before the, before that. But he's a serviceable player right now, you know, can knock down some shots. He's got a little bit of toughness, needs to get smarter on the defensive end. But again, I could probably say that we've said that, I think about every rookie so far, except right. like Halliburton or, or, or uh, I'm sorry, a Coro. Uh, you know, I think there's just a level of, I, he, he fell flat to me. I think there was a lot more hype than, than, than maybe was deserved from, from what I've heard on my end. Again, as somebody who hasn't, hadn't watched a lot of him, I just, I'm like, eh. I'm like, okay. Uh, Cole Anthony has been basically what I anticipated coming into the year. Just a kid that's totally fearless is going to take a lot of shots. He's going to handle the ball a lot and he's going to be incredibly inefficient while also creating a ton of super fun plays like the uh, game winner he had against <laughs> the Timberwolves last night. Yeah. And, you know, he is kind of in an interesting situation, Sam, just because. With Fultz getting injured, it's like, okay, you're the starting point guard. Go. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't even know if that's his position in general. Uh, it, it's, I, I would find that challenging for him. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch that grow and, and see where that goes. But it's like, he's just, he's, he's an okay player. As you said, though, just very inefficient with his shooting, but it was fun as hell to watch him sink that game winner. Oh, and he's like the most like engaging like person that you'll do in an interview too. So like the interview after the game was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I like Cole Anthony a lot. I hope it works. Uh, I've not seen anything yet that makes me think he's going to be anything but a bench guard, but he's just too inefficient with his decision making and not quite as good of a passer as what you'd hope for from a lead guard. But, uh, you know, his fearlessness and his uh, willingness to take jumpers. And uh, I think that his ability to separate is going to allow him to play in the NBA for a while. Um, Alexei Pukashevsky has been just fascinating because it's like, what happens when you put a 195 pound, seven foot teenager in the NBA? Uh, it doesn't end well. I, I really <laughs> just hope that they put him in the G League bubble because they're sending a team to the G League. Uh, he's He needs to play not NBA minutes right now, I think. <laughs> I mean, he needs to be locked in a weight room right now. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and not even like he needs to get huge. He just needs to get a muscle. 
Just a singular muscle. That's all we're asking. That's it. That's it. Just a just a muscle. <laughs> you know, uh, your your assessment there is right. I think he's got to be a, a G League guy for a little bit and, and, and let him develop. Yeah, Josh Green's been a low usage, like three and D without the three uh, wing so far for Dallas, who's played you know something like ten minutes a night for them. I don't know that it's worth like digging deep into him. Have you watched much of uh, Precious Achua? with Miami yet. He just started, I, I like think his precious. Yeah. I think he just started his first game, uh, this week. And I've also been a fan of what I've seen from him. I just, I, I like his feel. I like the, the, it's almost like a miniature bam kind of deal. Like I, I the, 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 his, his ability to kind of just battle and, and, and fight for rebounds, fight for space on the on the offensive end a little bit like i just kind of like the energy he brings with everything i mean there's there's a whole lot of skill stuff that i think i'd like to see him improve on but you know again i think just early on right now my first impressions was i just walked away going like "Ah, i like precious yeah super energy plays hard really smart defensively uh really needs to improve the skill level level or else he's a small ball five which is okay right. like teams are looking for small ball fives that can defend the perimeter but uh he might just be that limited offensively at the end of the day um you know that we're closing in on the only guys that i really wanted to talk about here uh the, the last guy i want to bring up is xavier tillman in memphis and People who follow this podcast and follow my draft work know that I'm an enormous Xavier Tillman fan. He's done every single thing that I anticipated him doing early in the NBA. He's just really smart positionally. He's a great passer, uh, really, really smart defender, and just knows exactly how to play basketball and play within a role. He's like the prototypical Memphis Grizzlies pick. Yeah, I I probably don't have enough to really say about him you know i got a little glimpse of him in the memphis sixers game and 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 i was pretty impressed with his defense overall i mean he had that play where he was actually able to stay with tobias harris and force him out of bounds really in the end of game situation and i was like oh wow that's that's pretty impressive but i haven't seen enough of him i'm just gonna go on your word sam yeah i i like xavier quite a bit i had a first round grade on him uh elite level character kid very mature uh, i'm not surprised that he is come in and made an impact early on mo uh do you have anything else you want to get off your chest regarding the nba regarding just anything in your life any anything you forum a forum a forum a forum uh with a bunch of listeners as well okay well as i step to the podium and gra- grab my uh, my my sheets and ready to make my speech. Uh, <laughs> no man, I just enjoy the basketball season. I, we've had some really good basketball games the past few days, and I mean, I don't I don't have too much to say, man. It, it's um, it's a wild ride we're in, and and this is going to be a wild season with the the pandemic and everything, and games canceled and and whatnot. But uh, you know, just hunker down folks and 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 we can try to get through it go follow mo on all of the wide variety of places that he is go listen to nerdish wrote go listen to mo on the what other podcasts are you on uh that and i'm on the daily ding those are uh those are the two podcasts i'm on the most that you can catch me on for the athletic
And then also go find One Mo Moment uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and go read Mo's power rankings that he puts all of his time and effort and energy into every single week. So uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We'll be back, I think, near the end of this week, maybe over the weekend with a little bit more. Uh, but until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.